gospel, the gospel of John. On Sunday night, we're in a sermon series entitled, Jesus According to Jesus. If you want to know who Jesus is, just ask him and he'll tell you. He's a God of revelation, he's not a God of secrets. And he wants you and I to know who he is, that we might give our life to him and follow him all the days of our life. Tonight's message, Jesus, the light of the world. John chapter 8, verse 12. Then Jesus spoke again to the people. Then Jesus spoke again to the religious leaders. And he said this, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. In the Old Testament, God introduced himself to Moses, and he would later introduce himself to Pharaoh of Egypt, using the phrase, I am who I am. God, who are you in this burning bush? I am who I am. God, when I go to Pharaoh, who am I to say sent me? You tell him, God said, that I am who I am sent you. That phrase, I am who I am, that name that God gave himself was considered a sacred name in Jesus' time. In fact, it was so sacred that it could only be said verbally one time a year. And the only person who could speak that with his lips that one time a year was the high priest. And he could only do it on one day of the year, the Day of Atonement. A sacred name that God gave himself, so sacred. Let's think about this. It could only be spoken with the lips of man once a year on the Day of Atonement and only by the high priest. For that reason, it's amazing. In John chapter 6, 7, and 8 particularly, Jesus uses the term, over and over and over again to describe himself. In our verse, Jesus once again says to the people, once again speaks to the religious leaders, and he says to them, I am the light of the world. You can imagine the reaction of the people. You can imagine the reaction of the religious leaders. Blasphemy! Blasphemy! Because what he was saying is, I am God. I am God. I'm the one who spoke to Moses in the burning bush. I'm the one that Moses said to Pharaoh, send him. I am God. Not only that, he was saying, I am Yahweh. I am the covenant-keeping God of Israel. 
I am the God that Abraham talked about. I am the God that sent Moses. I'm Him. I'm Yahweh. I'm God. And without me, you are blind and in darkness because I am the light of the world. If we were standing there when he spoke those words that day, you would hear the bombs exploding. Wow, what a statement once again to make. Now before we go to the and look at some implications of that, I want us to think a little bit about light. We talked last week about how Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. We talked about some of the characteristics of bread and some of the things that bread meant in that day. Well, let's now talk about light. What are some of the properties? What are some of the characteristics of light that Jesus chose to use in identifying himself? Well, first of all, we know that light reveals. Darkness conceals. Light reveals. When you put something under the light, you can see every flaw, every blemish, every imperfection, and every wrinkle. The light doesn't hide anything. That's why when ladies put on their makeup, they don't put their makeup on in the dark. They put their makeup on in the light, and some of them use extra light. They're trying to spot those imperfections, those blemishes, those flaws, so they can put the right makeup on to conceal them. Light reveals, and Jesus reveals. He reveals our sinfulness. If I was to ask you to come up here and stand beside me, you might say, I like standing beside Pastor Jim because he's worse than I am. (laughs) Or I might say to myself, I like standing next to you because I'm better than you are. You see, we do that with people, don't we? We must be okay because we're better than you. Well, the truth of the matter is, If we stand before Jesus, we're all wicked. Don't never compare yourself to somebody else. Because either you'll be prideful, I'm better than them, or you'll have an inferiority complex and I'm worse than them. The standard is Jesus and we all fall short. Light reveals. Also, secondly, though, light gives life. Light gives life. You know, without light, things will not thrive. In fact, things will not survive. Light brings out life. You ever heard of SAD, S-A-D? It's a little acronym for Seasonal Affective Disorder. What it is is a form of depression that people get when they're deprived of the sunlight for any length of time. Many people in colder climates deal with this syndrome, this disorder. They they go through their life 
deprived of sunlight because of the climate they live in, because of the, the temperatures that are around them. And they often battle with depression. People who study this say that people who live in cold climates where it's bitterly cold and that upwards to 10% of the population battle with depression. And it all comes back because they don't get enough light. Light reveals. Jesus reveals our sinfulness. Light gives life. And we don't have life until we have Jesus. We just exist. You want to know what life is? Give your life to Jesus. And His light will pour into you and give you life. He'll resurrect you from the dead. The dead of your sins and trespasses. Thirdly, Light scatters darkness. Light scatters darkness. When you, do you know that darkness cannot exist where there is no light? If light has a match with darkness, who wins? Light always wins. Okay? You have darkness, you turn on the what? The light switch. You don't have a dark switch, do you? How can I get rid of this light? Let me turn on the dark switch. No. Light always dispels darkness. Darkness cannot dispel light. That's why the religious leaders in Jesus' day hated him. They didn't want nothing to do with him. They backed away from him because they were in the dark. And the darkness hates the light because the light dispels the darkness. Fourthly, light gives warmth. Light gives warmth. Scientists say that the light of one solitary candle, if placed in a closed room, over a period of 24 hours will raise the temperature of that room, just that one solitary little candle, 13 degrees. That's what they say. They get paid to study those kind of things. Think about that. One solitary candle can heat up a small room if left on for 24 hours by 13 degrees. You know, Jesus, He gives us warmth too. He gives us the warmth of His peace. It is well with my soul. He gives us the warmth of His joy. We can have a smile on our face and a smile in our heart, though our world may be crashing down around us. He gives us the warmth of hope. We have hope that tomorrow will be a better day. And it shall. Fifthly, light provides guidance. Light shows us a path. Light shows us the way when we can't see. It's light that brings us to where we want to go. 
You know, Jesus called himself the light. Why? Because he's the pathway to God. He shows us the way to God. He shows us the way to truth. He shows us the way to righteousness. If you want to find those things, just follow his light. He'll take you there. Now, I want you to remember that. There's a reason why he said, I'm the light of the world. Because he has all the properties of light in him. Now, I want to share something with you that you might find interesting. This is free of charge, by the way. I'll just throw it in. In John chapter 6, 7, and 8, the Jewish people are observing the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles is a celebration that was held each year celebrating the 40 years that the Israelites spent in the wilderness before they went to the Promised Land. It was a celebration of the wanderings through the wilderness on the way to the Promised Land. When Jesus identifies himself in John chapter 6, 7, and 8, he starts out with, I am. In other words, he says, I am God at the Feast of Tabernacles. But notice what he says in chapter 6. If you remember last week, he said, I am the bread of life. I am the manna that came down from heaven and fed your forefathers. And I am the bread that God has sent down to you that if you eat of me, you'll never hunger again. John chapter 7, he says, I am the water of life. If any man will drink of me, he will never thirst again. And he's making reference to the fact that the God who dropped the manna down from heaven brought the water up from the ground. And now in chapter 8, he says, I am the light of the world. You know what he's referring to here? As the Israelites were wandering in the desert for 40 years, the manna came down, the water came up, and there was a pillar of fire. The Shanikan glory of God that led them on the journey. No wonder the religious leaders wanted to kill him. He said, I'm the manna, I'm the water. I'm the pillar of fire. You're celebrating me and you don't even know it. He's saying to them, I'm God. And you don't even know it. How couldn't they know it? He said it so distinctly over and over and over again. I am the bread, I am the water, I am the light. You're celebrating a celebration and you don't even know who you're celebrating. It's me. Why do I let you know that? Why do I stress that to you? Because I want you to understand how wicked the religious leaders were. These men who claim to know God and serve God, they hid behind God to carry out their own greed and lust. These religious leaders, they knew who He was. 
This wasn't accidental. This wasn't coincidental. This wasn't incidental. This was a deliberate rejection by the religious leaders of Jesus Christ. They knew who he was. He told them over and over and over again, they knew who he was. And they nevertheless willfully, deliberately, intentionally, wantingly, proudly, delightfully chose to murder the Son of God. How low can man get? How low can we get? Wickedness knows no limits. I'm the bread of life. We don't want you. I'm the water of life. We don't want you. I'm the light of the world. We don't want you. Go away. Go back where you came from. We don't want you. And if you keep staying around here talking, this will kill you. And they did. Now let's go to our verse in verse 12 and wrap this up. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Now in verse 12, I want us to just close by looking at this verse. We're not going to look at the other verses that follow. You can read them. They're pretty self-explanatory. But in verse 12, first of all, I want us to see as Jesus is working with the people, as he's working with the religious leaders, he's being repetitive. I told you one sermon not long ago, you think I'm getting old because I say the same things over and over and over. And I am getting old, and by the way, so are you. But the reason why we say things over and over and over again is not because we have a problem, it's because sometimes the listening audience has a problem. When I coach football, we ran the same football drills every single day, repetitively, over and over and over again. You practice the basics over and over and over again. And Jesus understood there were some things that were basics, and you have to repeat them over and over and over again, because sometimes people don't hear them the first time, or the second time, or the third time. Maybe one day they will hear, so you keep saying it. Jesus kept saying to this crowd, these religious leaders, I am the light of the world. I am God. I am Yahweh. If you don't have me, you're blind and you're in the darkness. He kept saying it over and over. How do I know that? Look at verse 12. Jesus spoke. What's that next word? Again. Again. What's again mean? He means he's repeating himself. And that word again actually means over and over again. Jesus said over and over again to them, I am the light of the world. Time after time, over and over again, Jesus says, I am He. You are celebrating a feast. You're celebrating me. I'm the bread of life. I'm the water of life. I'm the light of the world. I can't imagine someone having that kind of patience. 
that kind of long-suffering, that kind of endurance. If I told somebody something over and over and over again and they wouldn't listen, I'd eventually slap them aside the head or leave them alone. You say, he's mean. No, you do the same thing. Don't sit out there and grin. But Jesus, he just kept saying it over and over and over again with patience, with long-suffering, with endurance. He didn't want them not to know who he was. He wanted them to know. He wanted them to come to him. He wanted to save them. He was very repetition, repetitious as he talked that day. Also, I want you to see the word revelation. He's repetitious about who he is to him. He says, I am the light of the world. I am God. I am. And I am your Savior, the Messiah that's coming. You've been looking for the Messiah. I am He. I'm the light of the world. He's making a reference back to Isaiah chapter 42, verse 6 and 7, when the prophet Isaiah spoke of the Messiah who was going to come. Listen to how he described the Messiah when he comes. I, the Lord, have called thee out unrighteousness. He's speaking of the Messiah. And I will hold his hand and keep him. And give him for a covenant to the people for a light unto the Gentiles. To open the blind eyes, to bring the prisoners from out of prison, and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. Isaiah said when the Messiah comes, he will bring with him light. He will open the eyes of people who couldn't see He will take people out of the prisons of darkness that they can see the light. And Jesus is saying, I'm the one. I'm not just God. I'm not just Yahweh. But I am the Messiah. Revelation. And he repeated it over and over and over again. Then I want you to see something else in verse 12. Redemption. Then Jesus spoke again and again and again, and he said to them, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. He that followeth me. The implication is choice. We can choose to follow him, or we can choose not to follow him. Salvation is a choice. And every person has to make their own choice. I can't choose for you. You can't choose for me. Mom and dad can't choose for me. I can't choose for mom and dad. You're not going to go to heaven on somebody else's coattails. You have to make the choice yourself. Just because you're born in a Christian home doesn't make you a Christian. You can be born in the garage and that doesn't make you a car. You have to choose to follow Jesus. 
And that's what he's saying here. It's a it, redemption. Redemption is a choice. I choose to follow the light, or I choose to stay in darkness, but it's my choice. And by the way, you've heard me say this before, we are free to choose, but we're not free to choose the consequences. You better make sure whoever you're following, you're following the right one. Because if you make the wrong choice, the consequence will be destruction, death, and damnation. There is a way which seems right to some people, but that way will lead to death. Redemption, Jesus said, he that follows me, he who chooses to follow me. Have you chosen to follow Jesus? If not, why not? Who are you following? Everybody's following somebody. Then I want you to see repentance. Repetition over and over and over again. Revelation, I am God. I am Savior. Redemption, will you follow me? Will you make the choice to follow me that you can be saved? And then I see repentance here in verse 12. Notice he said, they shall not walk in darkness. He that followeth me shall not, will not walk in darkness. In other words, if you choose the light, you can't choose the darkness too. You can't have one of the other. They cannot coexist. It's either going to be light in here, or there's going to be darkness in here, right? You can't, you can't say, I want both. It's impossible to have both. Jesus said, if you choose me, you will follow me in the light. But if you choose me, you've got to forsake the darkness. You can't have both. Repentance. That's the forgotten word in the English language, the forgotten word in the church. But Jesus said, lest you repent, you will what? Perish. It is impossible. It is impossible to follow Jesus and stay in sin. It's impossible to follow Jesus and walk in the light and stay in darkness. It's impossible. It's, you can't do it. And yet today we have many who claim that they're able to do it. Alcoholic Christians. Have you ever heard that? I'm a slave to liquor. I'm a slave to a can of beer. Quite a few of them, by the way. I'm just an alcoholic Christian. I'm a porn star Christian. I let men look at my body. But I'm a Christian. I'm a profane talking Christian. I spew out the profane, vulgar words out of my mouth, but I'm a Christian. I'm a pot-smoking, beer-drinking Christian. I'm a hell-raising Christian. I'm a homosexual Christian. I'm a people-hater Christian. I don't like some people because I don't like their color. I don't like their class. I don't like their culture. I'm a baby aborting Christian. You know, we got a lot of folks who claim to be Christians and they live in the darkness and they're not in the light. 
May I say to you, that is an impossibility. When you come from the darkness to the light, you give up the darkness. It doesn't mean you're perfect. But it does mean that you have a desire to be perfect and you begin to take out of your life those things with the help of the Holy Spirit that keep you from being what you should be. There is no such thing as a loving sin, Christian. There is no such thing. It's a foreign word that our church, is, the church of 21st century America has coined so that we can have big crowds come and they don't feel guilty. Repentance. They shall not walk in darkness, said Jesus in verse 12. And then reflection. He closes it out. Repetition. He said it over and over and over again. Revelation. I am God. I am the Savior. I am Yahweh I am the Messiah. Redemption, he that follows me makes the choice to follow me. Repentance, he who follows me leaves the darkness and he comes to the light. And then reflection, if Jesus is the light of the world, who are we? Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16 you are the light of the world too. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but they put it on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all of the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. They may see the Lord Jesus in you, and it will glorify your Father which is in heaven. A reflection if you and I claim to know the light of the world, if you and I claim to follow the light of the world, are we the light of the world? Because should we not be like him? A little boy said to his Sunday school teacher who taught on this subject, he said, Teacher, if Jesus is the light of the world, I sure wish he would come to my house. It's awfully dark there. It's awfully dark in a lot of homes in America. It's awfully dark in a lot of communities in America. It's awfully dark in our country. It's awfully dark in the world. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got a commission. And that's to take the light that He's given us unto them. In closing... Maybe it's time that we shine our light a little bit. If He's the light of the world and we're followers of the light of the world, then we are the light of the world. And the only light this world will ever see is in us. And if we keep that light in the four walls of this church, what good is it? The darkness is out there. The darkness is our schools. The darkness is our workplace. The darkness is our clubs, our organizations, perhaps, that we're part of. The darkness is our neighborhood. Let us shine the light there. 
You know, we have those little love story tracks. Can I encourage you again to take a few with you and keep them in your pocket? Keep them in your purse. Keep them in your car. And when you engage in somebody a conversation, just don't go poke it in somebody's face, but when you feel like that God has created a situation for you, give somebody that love story. I promise you nobody will ever turn it down. I I don't know of anybody in my life that has ever said outright, no, I don't want it. They may not read it. They may eventually throw it down later. But if you've got a smile on your face and you've engaged somebody with the, in pleasantries and you've shown an interest in them, most people out of courtesy, if not all people out of courtesy, will take that book. And that little book has light in it. It's a flashlight that will show them who Jesus is and what he's done for them and what they need to do with him. And I encourage you to do that. And then let's shine our light by living what we believe. If you've decided to follow Jesus and it's real, then we need to start living it before people. Living it. If we act like the world, how can we reach the world? Somehow the church has got the idea if you lower the standard, the world will come and they'll love you and like you because you're like them and give their life to Jesus. I ain't never heard anything so stupid. Jesus said, if I am lifted up, all men will be drawn to me. Not if I'm brought down to the ground. I'm sure people are sincere with that belief. But it's not biblical. We have to lift him up with our lips and with our life. And when people see we're different, and we have something that they desire, then they're willing to listen to us. And maybe even give their life to the one that we gave our life to. Let's shine the light if we indeed are light of the world. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.